Happy New Year, church. Greetings and grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus. Welcome to this time of worship at Faith Community United Methodist. It's so good to uh, join with you in worship at the start of this new year. I can't tell you how weird it felt for me last week not being with you in worship uh, for Christmas Eve and on Sunday morning. Uh, so it's it's good to be back together again for this time of worship. Uh, there are attendance pads in each of the pews, and I would ask you to find those and fill those out, pass them along to others. Uh, so far, you are on track for perfect attendance for 2023, so make sure you fill out that attendance pad and get credit for that. Uh, your door prize for being here today is one of these beautiful poinsettias. And uh, all of these poinsettias need to leave the building today. So whether you ordered one or not, if you would like a poinsettia, feel free to take one with you following the worship service today. We come to offer God our worship and our praise. Let us be in a spirit of worship. Stand as you're able to join together in the call to worship. Good morning. We'll join together in our call to worship. Praise God, all who dwell on this earth. Praise God in the heights and the depths of life. Praise God, sun and moon and stars. Praise God, fire and hail, snow and frost. Let God's name be praised and exalted. God's glory is above heaven and earth. And may we join together and remain standing for the hymn, We Three Kings, number 254.
You may be seated. And may we join together in our opening prayer printed in your bulletin. God of the prophets, God of our dreams and our waking moments, God of our times of weeping and our days of gladness, lead us, we pray, from all that would destroy the best you have placed within us. Lead us toward those times and places where we can grow in the likeness of Jesus. Help us to discern the warnings and the invitations that come from you so our lives may be a beacon to lead others to fulfillment and joy. Amen. Um, If there's children, would they join me up front for some children's moments? For the past several Sundays, we've been talking about angels, different angels that visited different people in the Bible. So I thought it'd be kind of nice to look and see what different kinds of angels we have. And so I took some off of my tree. This is an angel, and she's quite beautiful, isn't she? She's very pretty. Um, this one, not quite so much, but she looks very happy. And a special friend of mine made that for me. She designed dolls for some company, and so she made an angel for me. We think of angels maybe as being small, like in the book, The Littlest Angel. So we have little angels. And then we have angels made out of all kinds of things. A friend of mine made this for me out of string, so it's kind of a string angel. So Pastor Andy's talked about all these different angels, and I'll bet you never really thought about it. We have angels right out there in those seats. People that, that care about others and love others and do good things for people. And so we consider them angels. And I know some of them personally that are angels. So we want to try to be that kind of person that we could be considered an angel. So could we say a, a prayer? Heavenly Father, God bless us and God bless all of the angels around us. Help us to be kind and good and loving so that one day we can see your angels in heaven. Amen. And I have cookies. See what you all have? (laughs) Our prayer hymn is number 249 in the hymnal. There's a song in the air. As we remain seated, let us uh, sing together in prayer.
Let us pray. Oh Lord, we do continue to celebrate that most glorious birth when you sent your son into this world to be born as one of us so that he could take this life upon himself so that you could take all of our troubles and pains upon yourself and so that you could cleanse us and forgive us and restore us anew. We thank you for that marvelous birth and for being born anew within us this day and each day. We give you thanks for this new year and the promise that lies ahead, knowing, Lord, that you are leading us in all things. And so as we wait in anticipation for those good things that you have in store for us, may you keep us ever faithful to follow wherever you may be leading so that wherever we are, we might be witnessing to you, to your meaning in our lives, to who you are for us and for this world, that others might come to know the joy and the salvation that is found only in you. We pray your blessings upon this church family, that we might minister according to your spirit, according to your will. And Lord, Just continue to watch over each one of us and all of our loved ones that we lift up to you in our hearts now in this moment of silence. Thank you, Lord, for hearing our prayers. Thank you, Lord, for being our God. We trust you in all things. We pray this in the name of your Son, our Savior, who has taught us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. We continue to worship through the giving of our tithes and offerings as the ushers come to wait upon us.
please join me in the prayer of dedication. Awesome God, when we recount your gracious deeds and praiseworthy acts, we want to imitate them. Because of your mercy and favor and the abundance of your steadfast love, we are moved to respond. Thank you for the gift of life, for all you have entrusted to us, for your watchful care over us, for surrounding us with love when loss and suffering overwhelm us. It is when we give with generous hearts that we begin to understand how much we have been given. Thank you, God. Amen. Please remain standing for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel lesson for this Sunday is taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verses 13 through 15 and 19 through 23. The flight into Egypt. Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. The return to Nazareth. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Rise, take the child and his mother, and go to the land of Israel, for those who sought the child's life are dead. And he rose and took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And there he went and lived in a city called Nazareth, so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. The first Sunday of the new year is typically recognized as Epiphany Sunday. The uh, official date for the Feast of the Epiphany, also known as Three Kings Day, is January 6th. That's the day after the 12th day of Christmas, and it celebrates the arrival of the wise men from the East come to worship the newborn king, and it's also the end of the Christmas season. Although we celebrate Epiphany 12 days after Christmas Day, Jesus was far beyond 12 days old by the time the wise men arrived. He was probably closer to two years old. Notice when you read the story in Matthew, when the wise men found the holy family, they entered into a house, not a stable. Furthermore, the word used for child in Matthew 20, uh, in Matthew 2 verse 11, they saw the child with Mary, his mother. The Greek word used there meant something like our word toddler. It was not a word used for a baby. And when Herod inquired of the wise men, asking them when the new star had appeared, marking the birth of the new king, 
According to Matthew 2.16, the star had appeared almost two years earlier. Now, I'm not going to change my nativity scene. I like seeing the wise men in the stable gathered around the manger just like everyone else. But it appears that Mary and Joseph had settled down in Bethlehem following the birth, and that in this story of the wise men arriving, Jesus was going on two years old. So I I suppose you could say that this is not even a Christmas story, really, since it happened almost two years after the birth. But in that sense, it's kind of like several of the other stories that we read during Advent. Most of the angelic visitations that we read about during Advent did not happen at Christmas time, but many months prior. And in the case of Zechariah, over a year prior, this story happens a couple of years after. And there's another sense in which this story is like those others. The angel is back. In this story, Matthew reprises a theme from earlier in the narrative when the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Many months prior to Jesus being born, at the time that Mary could no longer hide the fact that she was pregnant, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, instructing him to take Mary as his wife. Joseph had to do this, not just for Mary's protection, but so that the prophecy would be fulfilled, that the Messiah would come from the line of David. Now Jesus is almost two years old, and the angel of the Lord appears to Joseph once again with further instructions, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt. Is this the same angel from before? We don't know for sure, but I think it's logical to conclude that it is. What is clear is that the angel appeared in a dream. The angel appears twice in this story, once in Bethlehem when Jesus was two, and again in Egypt two years after that, and both times he appears to Joseph in a dream, just as he had prior to the birth. Joseph was a dreamer, just like his Old Testament namesake. It is also clear that the instructions this angel gives to Joseph were not only for the child's protection, but for the fulfillment of prophecy. Most immediately, it was for the child's protection, just like it was before. If Mary had been killed as an adulteress, Jesus never would have been born. If Herod had been allowed to find the child, Jesus' mission would have been cut off before it even began. Joseph needed to speed the child away in order to preserve his life. But more than that, this was to announce his destiny. The Holy Family did not flee just anywhere that was convenient. They were specifically told by the angel to go to Egypt. Egypt, the land where the Hebrew people, still in their childhood as a nation, had gone to escape from the famine. Egypt, the land where Jacob's favorite son, Joseph, had saved his family. The Holy Family goes into Egypt once again, led and preserved and protected by Joseph, just like the nation of Israel so long ago. Matthew makes this clear when he says in verse 15, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. It had been spoken by the prophet long ago in reference to God's deliverance of his people Israel when Moses led them out of Egypt through the wilderness into the promised land. 
the entire people of Israel was God's son. In Jesus, that same theme is reprised. God's son. This time, the one particular only begotten son, Jesus, went into Egypt where his life was preserved. And then he was delivered by God back to the promised land. Jesus, at the beginning of his life, reenacted the history of Israel. Because Jesus, with his very life, would be the fulfillment of Israel. All that Israel was called to do as a people would be done in and by Jesus. Matthew goes even further with this by connecting the name of the town, Nazareth, with the prophecy that he would be called a Nazarene. Now the term Nazarene in the Old Testament had nothing at all to do with being from the city of Nazareth. A Nazarene was a type of holy person, someone who took a vow either as an adult or was dedicated into that vow as a child to live in a certain way according to laws specific only to a Nazarene. Samuel, the prophet, was a Nazarene. John the Baptist was a Nazarene. There were not any prophecies in the Old Testament that said that the Messiah would be a Nazarene. But a Nazarene was a holy person. And Jesus is the most holy person. And Jesus grew up in a town called Nazareth. Matthew makes the case that none of this is by accident. All of this is happening on purpose. All of it is directed by God. Incidentally, this is the first mention of Nazareth in the Gospel of Matthew. From Luke, we know that Mary and Joseph came from Nazareth originally. Luke tells of them traveling from Nazareth to Bethlehem just before the birth of Jesus because of the census. Luke doesn't say anything about the flight into Egypt. He simply says in Luke 2.39, And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. But according to Matthew chapter 2, there were four years of terrifying ordeals and extensive travels that took place during that one verse from Luke. Remember that one of the things God was revealing primarily through Matthew's gospel is the way that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Jewish scriptures. We saw it in Matthew's genealogy, which traced the line from Abraham to David, King David, directly to Joseph, who became the father of Jesus, thereby making Jesus a son of David. We saw it in the quotation from Isaiah, following Joseph's first angelic encounter. Behold, the virgin will conceive and bear a son. We see it now following the second angelic encounter. Out of Egypt I called my son. And again, following the third angelic encounter, that he would be called a Nazarene. All of this, all of this shows Jesus reenacting, reprising, incarnating, if you will, the whole history of Israel as he comes to be her fulfillment and salvation. There are some other things, too, that I think God shows us in this story. First of all, that Herod, the great king of Judea, Herod saw Jesus as a threat. As do all worldly powers feel threatened when they come up against the truth of God. 
Herod, as soon as he heard from the wise men that there was a newborn king, wanted the child dead. That there could be anyone contending for his throne, that drove Herod crazy. He, he actually had members of his own family killed in order to protect his power. The idea that there could be some child out there, born not into Herod's family, but to some poor unknowns, and that that child could potentially grow up to take Herod's place from him, he could not allow that to happen. Matthew tells us that Herod ordered the killing of all of the male children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old or younger, according to the time that the star had first appeared. Because the wise men did not return to tell Herod where the child was, he didn't know which one of them might be the potential king. So he had them all killed. Better that they should all die than that the one be allowed to grow up and become competition to Herod. How very threatened Herod must have felt to do such a terrible thing. And yet another reprise of Israel's history, just like when Pharaoh ordered the killing of all the newborn Hebrew males. This is not only a horrifying and repulsive thing for that king to do, it also seems ludicrous when we know that Herod's throne is not the one that Jesus was after. Jesus was not born in order to depose Herod and set up an earthly kingdom in his place. Jesus' kingdom was of an entirely different nature. So Herod's action was not only cruel, but pointless. However, it is true that Jesus is a threat to all those who would live and rule according to worldly ways. Jesus came with an ethic that overturns our own. The first shall be last, and the last shall be first. Jesus came with blessings for the lowly and with judgment upon those of wealth and power. As Mary sang in her song of praise, the Magnificat, he has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. Throughout his ministry, Jesus would challenge the ways of those in power. He would show that the authorities of this world are nothing and will have no standing in the eternal kingdom. Jesus would show that the least and the last were of infinite value to God. And what's more, what's more is that he would convince his followers to begin living now according to the values of the eternal kingdom of heaven. He would teach his disciples to pray, God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And then he would teach them to start living that out, to make it real. None of that was good news to someone whose power and authority is diametrically opposed to the ways of God. Herod was right to feel threatened by Jesus. Not because Jesus came to overthrow his worldly throne, but because Jesus came to overthrow the worldly ways upon which that throne was established. Jesus came to usher in the new kingdom, the kingdom of God. And when the kingdom of God comes in its fullness, no other kingdom can stand. That is why, even today, people act with such vehemence against Jesus. Because he pushes back against 
their entire me-first way of life, when the God nature comes at us, and we are not ready to receive it and to submit to it, the human nature in us strikes back and with vengeance. The story of Herod shows the degraded depths that people will go to when they insist on protecting their own place, their own ways, their own power, their own interests, rather than submitting to the true King, who is Christ the Lord. Something else that God shows us in this story of the flight to Egypt. Being the family of God is not easy. Being the family of God is not easy. If you take Luke 2.39, which I quoted earlier, that verse makes it sound easy. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. Easy enough. They, they followed the commands of God and they moved back home. Easy peasy. But then you find out from Matthew that in the meantime, a deranged king was attempting to murder the baby and they had to become refugees in a foreign country for two years where they didn't know a soul and they didn't speak the language and they didn't have a home. And then they came back to Judea only to find that another deranged king had taken Herod's place so they had to travel another 90 miles to Nazareth Not so easy-peasy after all. Turns out, performing everything according to the law of the Lord sometimes takes years. It sometimes leads to danger. It, It sometimes means giving up your home and venturing into the unknown with God as your only shelter. Doing everything according to the Lord is hard. It can be treacherous, scary. But it is also blessed. It is also blessed. Throughout it all, the Holy Family was blessed. Through it all, the Lord was with them each step of the way, guiding them, protecting them, strengthening them. Can you imagine if they had tried to go through all of that on their own? There would be no way. But with God in control, With God in control, there was no way they wouldn't make it. For as the angel told Mary, with God, all things are possible. We too are called to be the family of God. Just as the ancient Israelites were. Just as Jesus, Mary, and Joseph were. We too are called to carry out God's plan for our lives. God shows us throughout Scripture some of the challenges that come with that. God shows us in this story that even for Joseph and Mary, there was danger and difficulty and discomfort. But through it all, there was blessing. Through it all, there was the knowledge that God was with them and that their faithfulness would be rewarded. Through it all, there was the knowledge that God was working in and through them. And so it is for us. When we are faithful, when we follow God's lead into those scary circumstances and trying times, we can know that God is watching over us. That His plan will be fulfilled through us. That His Spirit is within us. 
being the family of God is never easy, but it is always blessed. May we be so blessed as we journey with God into this new year. Amen. We're going to sing now of that comfort and joy that come, not from this world, but from the Son of God. It's in your bulletin insert. We're going to remain seated as we sing this. Uh, God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let's remain seated and sing together.
Let us prepare now to receive the Holy Sacrament as we join together in the prayer of the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Before the mountains were brought forth, or you had formed the earth, from everlasting to everlasting, you alone are God. You created light out of darkness and brought forth life on the earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son, Jesus Christ, in whom you have revealed yourself, our light and our salvation. You sent a star to guide wise men from the east to where the Christ was born. And in your signs and witnesses in every age and throughout all the world, you have led your people from far places to his marvelous light. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, He took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And when the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples and said, drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and juice. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet through your son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church. All honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. The ushers will come and pass the plates uh, around the room and you're invited to take a piece and uh, pass it along. Hold, Hold on to the... Uh, bread until the plates have gone all the way around so that we might receive the sacrament together as one body, the body of Christ. The invitation to this sacrament is from the Lord Jesus himself. Anyone who wishes to receive and respond to his invitation is welcome to receive.
the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat in remembrance of him. cup of salvation poured out in the blood of Jesus Christ. Take and drink in remembrance of him. Let's pray. We thank you, precious Lord, for giving of yourself to us through this holy mystery and of filling us with your Holy Spirit. May the cleansing that you have offered this day continue with us that we may be your holy people. We pray this in your precious and holy name. Amen. I invite you to stand now as you are able for our closing hymn, which you will find in the hymnal at number 251. Go tell it on the mountain. Let us sing together.
as you go throughout this day, as you go throughout this year, may you remember that you are the family of God. And that even when that is difficult, it is also blessed. Be blessed in the name of the Lord, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen.